I am thrilled to announce that An Actor Despairs is partnering with a wonderful CBD company called Kind Farms. Everyone out there has heard of CBD. I started taking it a few years ago when I first started getting sober and to help with my anxiety. Sadly, as one can do, I was overtraining in the gym, and a friend recommended a topical and a tincture to help with the pain. I tried it. It was okay. However, recently, I was introduced to a product that has really changed my life. Not only has it helped me with anxiety, but I am stronger than I have ever been. I'm able to carry out lifts my body used to prevent me from doing. Kind Farm products have single-handedly changed my life athletically and personally. They utilize 100% local licensed farmers, organic cultivation, and CO2 extraction for superior CBD. Kind Farms is turning CBD to a kind alternative to pharmaceuticals. Let's transform tobacco row into hemp row. If you want to get involved, please reach out. Together, we can make a difference. You can use my code RYAN10 for 10% off. You can find them on Instagram at KindFarmsInc, all one word. That's K-I-N-D-P-H-A-R-M-S-I-N-C. And their website is KindFarmsInc.com. Once again, my code for 10% off is RYAN10. And now, let's get started with today's show. Welcome to An Actor Despairs. I'm your host, Ryan Perez. Today on An Actor Despairs, we have one of the most magnificent actresses I've ever seen, Marcia Stephanie Blake. I had the great honor of seeing her in Othello with my friend Rachel Brosnan, and we're ironically here to talk about her film with Rachel, I'm Your Woman. You've also seen her in Loose. She's got such an amazing future ahead of her, and I have so much respect and gratitude. Marsha, I love you. Marsha Stephanie Blake, welcome to An Actor Spares. How are you doing? I am wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It means so much. I am such a big fan of yours. And I say this with the utmost sincerity is like the beautiful thing about being an actor and watching another actor succeed is it, it in, not only instills hope, but it's like, it's I, the best way I can put it is like, it's like watching justice prevail. And, <laughs> you know, I discovered you in Orange is the New Black. And, oh. and then just like I, as I kind of mentioned to you off air, I have a penchant for actors and, and following their careers and, and just like watching you work has been such a gift. And I went to the premiere of loose and what you did uh, in that in film. New York. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Wait, were I you, think, th- were you- I, did I meet you? Why do I feel mm-hmm. like I'm, did I meet you that night? No, but I mean, Kelvin did the show. Maybe you saw his episode. Oh, Maybe I saw Kelvin's episode. Yeah. Were you, you yeah. were at the Tribeca premiere, right? Oh, I definitely was there. Yep. That that one that woman I want to murder to this day. Like oh, whoever did that in interview, God. the moderator. Like, what a Ooh. fucking idiot! Who does that? I talked to Kelvin about this. Okay, so we. Oh my gosh, that was so traumatic that ever since I have apprehensively done, you know, panels and just like, okay, what are we gonna get? I've never. I mean, usually a moderator is so softball questions, right? Just like yeah. nothing. Yeah. And she came with an agenda. Yeah. Working out her own issues. I, it was, 
it was the most bizarre thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And I talk about that all the time with people because no one believes me. No one believes me that a moderator went rogue. And I'm like, no, it really happened because you Me and my dad were front row. We oh were like, gosh. we were all like, I was this close to just hopping on stage and stealing the mic from her. Do you but remember I was worried the, crowd, I would get the crowd started chanting? I've never been in a like a movie panel discussion and the crowd starts chanting like, let the crowd ask questions. Yeah. You're crazy or whatever they were it's, chanting. I was like, what is happening? I have a friend who works at Cinetic and I texted her. I was like, you need to get someone out of here now to stop it. So drag but, her I know. It was, it, <laughs> but you know what? Now we have a story to tell because. Yeah. Never before, well, never since. I don't know what that was. Scared, awkward experience. But like I said, you know, I, I, you're, you're one of the greatest actresses in the world, and I say what? that with sincerity. Who are you, Ryan? Why aren't you Come, one of my best? Uh, no, friends? what's I, happening I, I, right now? <laughs> because I, I say this with sincerity. Is like, there's, it's a recurring theme on this podcast, and we also spoke off air about our mutual friend Glenn Fleshler. Yeah. And there's a difference between good acting and great acting. And good actors are the actors that just, hey, no judgment. They can play their personality. They can do that for a living. And the great actors are the actors that make such distinct and nuanced choices where no other actors or actor in the world could play that role. Moreover, mm. what they do with the character isn't on the page. And you are one of those actresses. Oh, thank you, Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, thank you for having me. Um, <laughs> I uh, will see you guys later. But I feel like anything after this is going to be downhill after that. But, you know, we're here to talk about I'm Your Woman and, and everything else. But yes. before we dig into work, can, can we start at the beginning? You grew up in Jamaica and then moved to the U.S., right? I, I sort of grew up in Jamaica. I mean, I came when I was 10, so I wasn't that grown. My parents would definitely say I was not grown when I got to the U.S. Um, yeah. Do you have and memories I, there? Oh, yeah. Yes, of course. You know what's interesting? I just went back. My, my dad passed away, unfortunately, in January. Oh, I'm so sorry for your Before loss. the whole world went to hell. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but I went back. I'd been back before a couple of, you know, several times over the years. But I hadn't been back in about 10 years. And I finally went back. And I realized all my dreams. It's crazy how much information from your childhood you store and how it really informs the rest of your life. Because I realized all my dreams really were about my childhood home. Like if I dreamt that I was in a house, it wasn't any house I'd lived in in America. Oh, my life keeps going up. Um, okay. It was always my childhood home. And like the familiarity of just like the grass on the ground was familiar to me still, you know, and the, the stones, nothing in Jamaica changes is really what I'm saying, but like the yeah. stones in the driveway, in my dad's driveway, they were all the same stuff like that I grew up wow. with. The rooms, my dad was not one for uh, renovating a house or like, you know, updating a house. So the rooms were the exact same. The rooms I grew up in and, and slept in and, and played in and our, our tree in the front yard, like everything. And I realized, oh, wow, all my dreams are this house. Isn't that wow. crazy? Well, it must obviously manifest in your brain as a very positive and, and nurturing environment, which yeah. is wonderful, you know? Yeah. So, exactly. so but it's like so, nowhere else has been home home except for that house. I think that's weird because I didn't think about it till I went back. Like, that's oh, so fascinating. I've lived in Wait, so other houses, but maybe this you, is my home. Your, your father lived there till he, he no, passed? No, he, he was in America. He came to America 
sorry, I'm trying to fix this light. Uh, yeah, he came take to a second America and fix and it. He, I can I I can cut this I'm out. Hoping I can fix it, Ryan. Listen. No, if if you if you can't fix it, then we can go this forward. Is, this is why we have like technicians and stuff, and now all these, these silly actors have to do all this stuff on our own. <laughs> oh, oh there, there we go. Th- ah! there we go. I keep going out. It might, maybe it overheats and it just dies. I don't know. Did you get it from Amazon? Because I have the same thing with that. I did get it from Amazon. (laughs) Yeah, I have the same problem. I do it for self tapes, and every time I get the tape that I nailed it, I'm like, no, it went. (laughs) Because they always say you should just do you should do one of these and just do ten minutes with each actor just about self tapes. Because (laughs) oh, because self tape life is the trauma the trauma we've all been having to deal with the last few years the self-tape life um yeah. and also the hilarity yeah and, yeah. yeah i love that because you do have to laugh at it but you really so talk, do so, so yeah so me. my 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 dad moved back to jamaica to retire to answer okay. your question and so he was there and he wanted to die there he um he was ill and he knew he was probably gonna go soon um and so he had come back to america for treatment to stay with my sister, who's a doctor, uh, she was overseeing his treatment. And then when, when it kind of seemed, you know, the, the writing was on the wall kind of thing, uh, he definitely said he wanted to go home and yeah. dying is in his house. Um, yeah. And around his, you know, his friends, his people, his high school friends, they, they would come visit him every day um, oh. when he was ill. Yeah, they, they, were, they were hilarious. Um, but yeah, they, f- they'd like, see him all the time and he that's how he died peacefully you know at home rest in peace i'm so sorry yeah. um do, do you feel like talk to me about the the artistry book or were your parents artists at all no no wow. uh, although fun fact my dad was in a film when he was a child and we think it was a james bond film we can't find his name because i don't know that he was a named character he was like a little boy who fell out of a tree in some wow. film that shot in Jamaica when he was about 13. And listen to this craziness, Ryan. So, <laughs> my aunt told me this uh, just recently when he passed away. Um, she said they offered him, he like had a, a, you know, a nice part in this movie, whatever they wanted him. And they offered him a car for payment. A car. No way. A car. He was 13. So my foolish dad said no thank you and took a bicycle oh my god you know his son wanted to beat his ass oh my god what like he's a kid so they offer him a car and he's like i don't drive i don't want a car can i have a bike and so he took a bike you know i was like oh my god i can't imagine what grandpa thought when he came home and he was like i got this bike they offered me a car but i told him i want can you imagine you gotta so love the innocence the of that, though. You know the but purity also, I feel of like you. Those grown-ups are horrible because they should have been like, "No, no, no, take the car." Yeah, your that dad is true. can sell the car if he wants and buy you a yeah. bike. But take the yeah. car. But no, they were or like, pay oh, for your you college. Here you go, bike. <laughs> Shady. Amazing. Shady. So yeah. What, what about your mother? What did she do? She, my mother's a nurse, but she was never. I mean, maybe she would have been. My my parents and my dad went into science, and my mom. Her education was stymied right around, probably when she was around, right about to enter what would have been high school, maybe. Um, yeah. Although high school in Jamaica kind of starts at sixth grade. It's weird. But 
she never got a full complete education and maybe she would have become a writer or something artistic but she didn't get a chance to really uh do that growing up um and so she ended up coming to america before we did she got um our papers you know um green our green cards for us so we could come and then she was basically a nanny then a nurse um and then she so She'd been a nurse for you know forever. What state did you guys reside? New York, in? New York. Oh, we, we of New, to, New York, New York. We moved to Jamaica, New York, Ryan. Wow, that's right. Jamaica to Jamaica. Jamaicans go right to Jamaica. <laughs> that's Jamaica amazing. Jamaica. Um, yeah, my aunt was living there. My mom at first she moved to London first when she um, left Jamaica. She moved to London yeah. and then she moved to New York. Um, had a bunch of aunts who lived in Jamaica, or actually one in Brooklyn, one in Jamaica, Queens. She moved to Queens to live near my aunt. But she was mostly like a living nanny for, you know, most of the five years that she was here by herself. She was like wow. a living nanny trying to make I money. I know how hard that is. It's such a brutal grind. Oh, man. It's that immigrant story that... um it's very familiar to immigrants, but for some reason, people think immigrants are coming here to do nefarious things. It's like, no, no, no. Most well, it's because we have a were, you know, racist, kleptomaniac, authoritarian, scumbag piece <laughs> of shit. Yeah. The things I would do. Souls. <laughs> yeah. But. Let's let's keep it inspiring. Yeah, so talk, let, 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 yeah, yeah, talk to me about that transition for for you, Marsha. Was that hard going from Jamaica, literal Jamaica, to Jamaica Queens? You know, it wasn't. It wasn't because the truth is, um, there are so where I grew up here in America was populated by immigrants and definitely Caribbean people from the Caribbean. They were my teachers. They were my classmates. My classmates were all had all either come over themselves or their parents had. You know, everyone I knew. I can't even think of one person who was just like we've been Amer in America forever. It was a yeah. community of immigrants from all over the place. Um, the food we ate was still Jamaican food. It was just colder here. Like really, yeah. that was the difference. It was cold. I didn't have my grandma, my grandpa. You know, like. I didn't have my cousins, my close, close cousins that, that I'd grown up with. And in Jamaica, you, you spend like, at least I did, I spent a significant amount of time with my cousins. Oh. Um, we just saw each other all the time. Every vacation, we'd go spend all the vacation. And, you know, I'd spend the whole summer at my aunt's house. They'd come to our house, whatever. So I missed that. But really, in terms of culture, the culture was not that much different. Um, the expectations were the same for my family was like, you do well in school or yeah. else. Um, and I think it might've been easier for me. I think I was a good age to come to a different country. Like my sister had a little bit tougher time because she was 14. My brother and my sister uh, above me, yeah. they were at 14 and 12. And I think maybe they had a little bit harder time um, because they like established lives and friendships yeah. and maybe even like, relationships i think my sister had a little boyfriend you know what i mean like they yeah. had like just more of a life i was like, like an uprooting yeah i was like a little kid who you know i would play with my cousins play with my siblings and then i'd go to school so it wasn't it wasn't that big a deal for me i will say though my accent my accent was the one thing i was embarrassed about because as soon as i got here there was some little shit in the fifth grade who was like making fun of the way I spoke. 
um, you know, because yeah, that's what little shits do. And um, and I was very much like, oh, I have to get rid of this thing very quickly. Yeah, because they're gonna use it to sort of make fun of me. And I've never, I I've been slightly bullied in Jamaica, but not really. Um, so I never really experienced just like feeling like an outsider and. Um, so I think that kid, I can't even remember his name, but I think that well, kid... Well, let let's anything. find him yeah, right now. In, in the comments, if you're fifth grade, you knew Marshall Stephanie played. Slide in my fucking DMs because I'm coming to you, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so I bet you if I ran into him, like it would all, you know how you have sense memory and especially yeah. as an actor, we just have more sense memory than nor. Like I can never remember people's faces, but I always remember how I feel about someone. And the oh, minute the I energy. run into them again, or I don't remember, I remember faces, but not names necessarily. Yeah. And I remember feelings. So I'm sure if I ran into him, I'd be like, oh. <gasps> That's the, that's the fucking guy. That's him, you know. That's, you know he's that's, seen that's, you work and he's like looked down and been like, probably. oh, fuck. <laughs> probably. Probably. I could have been her friend. Instagram and I ignored him. I, I get a lot of messages on Instagram like, how are you doing? And I'm just like, yeah. uh, whatever. Fuck you, motherfucker. Um, yeah, he probably, he probably reached that asshole. Anyway, so that tell dude me. made fun of me. And so I got rid of my accent or, you know, my version of getting rid of my accent very quickly. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you. No, 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 I, I'm done. <laughs> do, do, do you feel like that, like in itself, the accent is the first time you became aware of performativity and, and kind of like acting? Or where was the moment where... Hmm, that is a very interesting question. I don't think so. Yeah. But I was always a bit of an actor. Like, definitely, I don't think anyone was surprised that I became an actor. Um, I definitely don't think my dad was. I was always a little bit of a drama queen. I was moody. I was moody as hell. Um, but I also, but I also was. Uh, I like to play. Like I, I, I would yeah. play. I remember. Well, actually, when I moved to Jamaica, I had a cousin who lived. Um, oh no, sorry. That was my cousin in Jamaica. In Jamaica, I had a cousin who had come from England, and she was the same age I was. And so my dad sent me to go stay with her for like the whole summer. I, I spent like an entire yeah. month in the summer with her. And she had this British accent, right? Which is like so amazing. Um, and by the end of the summer, I totally had a British accent. <laughs> 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 and we, because we would play dolls. I mean, we would wake up, get the dolls. She had these dolls. Like I, I, didn't necessarily have a lot of toys in Jamaica and also had siblings so everything was shared but she had come from England with like all these dolls Barbies freaking every Barbie you could think of every color every hairstyle whatever yeah. all these Barbies and so we would just wake up and we would run I remember she had a like a Barbie suitcase dude which was crazy when you're when you're like eight nine years old somebody with a suitcase full of Barbies um and we would just wake up my aunt would give us food we'd eat and then we would run to the dolls and we would play all day we didn't have tv there was no like there was no device happening because we didn't yeah. have it so it was just playing dolls all day long so we would make up little scenarios with these dolls in british accents well hers was genuine mine was fake and we would do that all day long so by yeah. the end of the summer i had a british accent <laughs> that's amazing yeah so yeah i was always and you know my my dad was very free 
I think because I was the third child, I think they were just tired by the time I came around. So by the time I came around, I was just a lot more free to be frivolous and to be moody and to like have an attitude or just be crazy and do something a little bit like not what they expected. But I was also a good student. This mother, this fucking light, Ryan. Oh, it's okay. Ignore it. Ignore it. Figure it out. Yeah. Um, So academia was really important to you. Yes, because I, I mean, I think, again, it's the immigrant thing, but it's also, even when I was not an immigrant, when I was in Jamaica, you got good grades. Like, that was yeah. expected. You, I mean, you just better. And if you weren't top of your class, you had to be close to the top of your class. And there was no excuse. There were a lot of kids who had, um, you know, financial difficulties, or they couldn't yeah. come to get to school as often because their parents like couldn't get them to school or they didn't have shoes. We had none of those difficulties. Like my dad had a pretty good job. My mom was in America sending us stuff. So we had no excuse to not be good students. And that was really the only thing we had to do. We didn't have, we had chores, but like compared to what I knew other kids had to do when they got home, like wash clothes, like some people had to make dinner, wash clothes, um, get their siblings ready or whatever we we had um a housekeeper wow um which we didn't always it wasn't consistent for the five years my mom was gone but my dad always tried to have someone there to help us because we were still my sister was i was five my sister was nine when my mom left right so he had nine nine seven five three those were the kids he had so he had to have somebody there so we always had someone come in to help us with washing and cooking And so our responsibilities were like, you go to school and you are top of your class. I also had two siblings who were at the top of their class and there was no way my my competitive ass was not about to be. I was so damn competitive. I was not about to be the one who was not top of her class. Okay. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So at what point or was, was it a singular moment or was it a gradual process of, when you found acting or it found you. Oh, I didn't, Ryan, I didn't act till I got to Dartmouth, honey. I think you should so I wasn't like a child didn't... actor. No, those oh. are crazy nerdy kids. Hell no. <laughs> I didn't fuck with those losers. <laughs> <laughs> I fuck with those, those nerds. No, I was a nerd in another way. I was a science nerd. I was like science yeah. and math. And I, you know, I was like very nerdy. I went to a nerdy high school in New York. Um, but you know, we were like the cool nerdy kids cause we weren't yeah. going to be in theater, but no, I wasn't, I did, we did a, a senior sing and I got to play a teacher and I remember enjoying it, but there was no thought in my mind at the time that yeah. I was going to be an actor. Absolutely not. No, my, yeah. my family was too like, uh, scholarly for me to, yeah. to, to go there. You know, they, we were too into like, my dad was a scientist in Jamaica. My, my mom was a nurse. My sister was in medical school by the time I was in high school. There was no me being an actor. Um, yeah, that didn't happen until later. I got to Dartmouth. I did, I did a play. That's one of the greatest schools in the world. Let's not gloss over that. Was that your dream school? Um, hmm, I was just on the cover of the alumni magazine, so I feel like, should I tell... 
Tell the truth. The truth? Or should I? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Well, the truth, this part will do for a bonus feature. So only people who spend money know. will. <laughs> because you said, what is it? My dream school. And I was just on the cover of the alumni magazine. So I feel like I should say it was my so dream school. So outstanding school. It's like, an amazing. Uh, yeah, was it my dream yeah. school? No. I'll tell you how Dartmouth got me. I applied for early, uh, early admission. And Dartmouth was the one school. Listen to this craziness. It was a school that waived my fee. For the application? They waived my application fee. Which I those were like sometimes $150. Like, it, you know? It was a lot of money. And yeah. Then I wanted to apply to any school that would waive the fee. And a lot of schools wouldn't waive it or they'd give me half a scholarship for, you know. Dartmouth was like, fee waived. And I was like, I'm going to go there. Yeah. <laughs> and then I researched it. And I, it was my brother. My brother was at Cornell at the time, my older brother. And I remember him saying, like, there is no option. You have to go to an Ivy League school. Like, there was no, he, he was just like, yeah. let's not play around. Okay. Yeah. You're either going to come to Cornell or you're going to go to another Ivy League school. And I never really, I don't know that I was that up on which school were Ivy League. Um, I started doing some research. And I saw that Dartmouth was like a smaller school. I'd gone to a huge high school. My high school has as many people as Dartmouth. Like wow. I, my high school is like 5,000 people. Yeah. So I wanted to go to a small, I was like, God, I don't want to go to another giant school. Like Cornell is so, you know, yeah. so big. Um, and so I liked the idea that it was a smaller school. They waived my fee. I went to visit. What solidified it for me was I went to visit over the summer. I went to Perspectives Weekend where the Perspectives students come in. And they paired me with a woman who is still one of my best friends to this day. Wow. Um, actually, they, they paired me with my really good friend, Zola Marchariki, who I talk about all the time because she's the one who got me into acting. They paired me with Zola and... Or no, maybe it was the other way around. They paired me with one of my best friends and then she was busy that weekend and I ended up with Zola. I ended up basically stealing uh, a, a, a big sister, they called it, you know, big sister, yeah. big, big brother weekend. And I stole one of my friend's big sister because my big sister like peace out. And to this day, I talk about it all the time, how she like left me alone that weekend. We we're really good friends. That was fine. But yeah. <clears throat> she peaced out and I end up with Zola and I end up basically going to like rehearsals with Zola and, and you know, seeing how she was, operating and she was oh, like, she was a theater major she wasn't she wasn't she oh. was trying to do it for fun she ended up going to harvard law zola is like yeah. she's incredible um she is now fully in the business but at the time she kind of was just it was something she loved um yeah. and I, I i was checking out i think i went to rehearsals with her that weekend i loved everyone there i loved all the people of color because it is really the weekend where the students of color like show you like this is what Dartmouth yeah. can be. I know it seems like it's a lot of white guys. Actually, <laughs> we're here too, and we need more of you to come. Like we need yeah. you coming. They totally tricked us. It, it, for me, that weekend, you would have thought Dartmouth was like a brown and black people school based on that wow. weekend. I remember going there and being like, "Oh wait, it was just so like Howard that, University or that something." Was, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it like that weekend, they like totally pulled the wool over our eyes. We were like, oh my God. And there were parties and it was just like, everybody's playing hip hop. There was a DJ at the party. We had the best weekend. And then you get to school I'm and so you're glad. like, oh, oh wow, it's a lot of white frat boys, but okay. Um, <laughs> you know, but it was great. Yeah, and those I are still some of my best, 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 best friends. Um, but yeah, and Zola what, was what, the one who started me acting. 
at, at what point in like sophomore, freshman, senior, like at uh, what point did you be like, wow, I love this? I did my first play my freshman year, but I had one line. That was the play I did with Zola. Then I did. So we, uh, I was in this, I started doing this acting class because again, because of Zola, because she, I was taking all these science classes. I was on a pre-med track and Zola was like, I was stressing out. I was stressing. She was like, come take this acting class with me. Should be really fun. You'll probably get an A. We're going to do a play. And I was like, oh, sweet. Let's do it. And it was a fun class. I had yeah. a blast. I was still a freshman, but because I liked it so much, I was hanging out with Zola a lot. Um, she was what, head of the, what was your major? I that well, I was a freshman. I didn't have a major yet. Oh, you I did? was just okay. playing around, but I was pre-med. I was taking mostly science and math classes. Um, because I thought I was gonna be a doctor, like my wow. sister. I know, I know, right? My um, dad's a doctor. <laughs> uh, yeah, who's a doctor? My dad. <laughs> oh, your dad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. sure. No, no pressure from here. <laughs> I know my, oh gosh, it's so funny. I, I definitely thought I was going to be a doctor like most wow. of my life. Um, and then doing plays with Zola, she cast me in one, a play that she had written and I did that. And I won this little award at Dartmouth for it. It was like the best actress award. Yeah. I <laughs> love that. The best actress at Dartmouth. For, foresight um, of all the things to come. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, it, it's still like one of my best memories because I also, I tied and I had to share my best actress award with another woman um, who ended up directing me in a play in New York years later. It all oh. came around. Yeah, I know. She laughs about it now. She's a director now, not an actor. Oh, um, wow. But yeah, so I did plays with Zola and then I just kept doing them and eventually I was doing them so often that everything else was um, not, I wasn't doing so well at other things. I think uh, they were falling by the wayside a little bit. You know, my other classes, not much, but more than I normal. understand what you mean. Yeah. yeah, like more than normal. Um, I think I got a D in organic chemistry, and I was like, whoa! I'd never I mean, gotten a D in my entire life. I went to NYU undergrad acting, and I got an F in ballet. So in ballet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> The guy was going so fast. I was like, I can't keep oh, up with you, dude. No. Oh, <laughs> yeah. no. At least I got my D in organic chem. I know. You shame yourself, Brian. I need an F in ballet. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. But, yeah, that D, that D kind of, I was like, all right, maybe I can't be a doctor like this. I'm not yeah. into this anymore, you know? And I, I was spending so much time in the theater department and with those nerdy theater kids yeah. that I was like, all right, it's time that I make a decision. Yeah. And at that point, I think Zola was, uh, maybe Zola was gone. I can't remember. She was two years ahead of me. Um, but I, at that point, probably end of sophomore year, beginning of junior year, when I really had to declare a major, yeah. I first was English because I was still in denial. And I was like, I'll be a writer. Yeah. Um, so I was English major. And then I double majored in English and theater. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. Yup. And wrote and two theses. Did two thesis projects. Wow. I know. I love I, it. True. I'm an overachiever. I'm, I, sometimes I think about how prolific I was in college. I'm like, what happened to that person? I am so lazy now. Ah, uh, I know. Me too, <laughs> dude. <laughs> but, uh, so then talk to me. Post-grad Dartmouth. Yeah. Did you come back to New York? And, and I, what were you doing? I came back to New York. I was doing a lot of 
off off Broadway with some Dartmouth people. So you you um, gave it a go before going directly into grad school. Oh yes, own. yes, yeah. And I and I believe in that. I tell people to do that yeah. because I remember the the difference between the people in my grad school class who had done stuff and the people who uh, you know done went stuff from meaning, NYU like, to yeah. Right, who had gone like directly from undergrad to grad school and the people who had like worked a little bit in the business to see that that's what they really wanted to do. The difference was really very, very clear. Yeah, because um, they had life experience and they, they were humans. Yeah, and they also yeah. knew that like they wanted to actually act and that it wasn't all fun and games. I think yeah. I think I had a couple of grad school classmates who I knew, or, you know, people in, in other classes ahead of me, who I knew, I was like, they're not going to be actors once they leave grad school. And I was right. Because I just, I was like, I don't know that they actually understand what it what it is. No. And then yeah. I spent a year and a half out doing off-off-Broadway and, like, temping in New yeah. York and having a $3 budget a day. I remember my budget was $3 because I would buy a bagel for, like, 75 cents. <laughs> Wow, they're and like then, two, 175 now. The yeah, bagel inflation in the city is insane. And then I buy like a, a an orange juice box that was about like a dollar seventy nine. I have a little bit of money left over. Oh, my budget was three dollars, and if I went uh, over that budget, I would screw myself because I didn't get paid that much. I wasn't even paying rent; like I was still living yeah. with my parents. So the my I, friends who had to pay rent barely ate yeah. food. Like we we didn't go out, we didn't eat. Um. You know, there was no hanging out. There was no going to bars afterwards. Yeah. Some people, you, some you, of my you, Dartmouth did, friends. Well, it seems to be reoccurring. You were, you're so committed, and I respect the fuck out of that. You know, because I think if, if most actors had one one hundred the commitment you had, they would find themselves succeeding more. You know, and and that's what I love about you because it's not easy to do. You know, like no. to commit to three dollars a day. That's that's a coup. No. You but, know but what I mean. Also, but what it did teach me, Ryan, is that I did not want to go back to that. I think there are a lot of people who romanticize the idea of being an actor and being a, like a starving artist, and like you know, being the next Matt Damon and Ben Affleck or something. You know, or just like yeah, just like struggle. They they romanticize the struggle of it. Yeah. And quite frankly, I was like, listen, I understand. At a certain age, you should struggle. Like in your early twenties, just got out of college. You should struggle. It's only going to inform your work, your art, whatever yeah. you're doing, right? Do I want to be a starving artist my entire life? Hell no. So Hell that's no. why I went to grad school because I was, I had done it. I had done it for a year and a half here in New York. I had done the like living on $3 and I saw that without the proper education and guidance, yeah. that could be my life for the next 10 years. And I was like, well, let alone we both way. love love theater and, and all the theater casting directors they go to those pools exactly. of mfa exactly. you know and i saw that because i couldn't there was like a door i couldn't get yeah, through because i, I, I didn't have the masters yeah. right and yeah. so i wasn't juilliard i wasn't you know nyu did uh, you Yale. audition for the big I auditioned three for all the big ones you know i weirdly i didn't audition for juilliard because i at the time i just thought i have a ba already i'm not going to another to be with 18 year olds for four years and i didn't want to and so i didn't and i ended up interning briefly at juilliard and i remember the woman being like you should have applied this was after grad school she was like yeah you should have applied to come here and i was like i didn't even think i could like i just didn't so i applied to nyu yale ucsd 
ended up going to UCSD. They gave me a full scholarship. Did you um, get offers or callbacks at the other ones? I did. I did. But I UCSD was the one. I, I racked up such a bill at Dartmouth. Yeah, like, me too you know, at NYU. Even though too. I was like a scholarship student, but I wow. still had loans. It's like they paid my, my basic tuition was paid. Yeah. But I still had to eat. And I, I, my parents didn't want me to go to school and be working all the time. Yeah. Um, so I had like a grant and then I had student loans just to and live. And the UC system is really good about, you know, well, working this with... Was, yeah, I had loans from Dartmouth. So UC, I, the, so the first year they gave me a, scal- a fellowship because once you become a resident, then you get free college in, yeah. um, in California. So, but you have to establish residency for the first year. So the first year I got a fellowship to pay for that. To pay it's for my three years at, at, at UCSD, It's like right? two and a half. It's, it's two and a half. Yeah, we, right, graduate, yeah. Uh, we graduate March so that we can come back to New York and do showcases. The showcase. April. Yeah, but it's yeah. really three years. And, but I wanted to, um, I didn't want to rack up another, you know, 100 grand in <laughs> student loans yeah. from my grad school. So even though I would have loved to have gone to NYU or Yale, um, UCSD, gave me a scholarship and they were also the, it was the top three schools at that point. It was NYU, yeah. Yale, UCSD. So I was like, well, it's not like I'm lowering my standards. I'm still going yeah. to great school. Um, and it was, it was a free ride for the most part. I don't owe UCSD any money. I That's still, so beautiful. I'm on the yeah. cover of the alumni magazine and I still owe Dartmouth money. Oh God. I know how it is. Man. <laughs> NYU is still, I'm, I'm, I'll be honest right now for all the yes. listeners. I'm yes. 250,000 oh. in the hole at oh. NYU and they have the audacity to call me like at least once a week asking for donations. Asking for donations. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, motherfucker, do you, and I just yell at them. They're like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> too yeah. See, I feel like that's. <laughs> It's like, criminal. What, what is that? I bought, who, I bought a Lamborghini and I didn't know it. You know exactly. what I mean? Like who yeah. has even grown, grown up people who've been working all their lives don't have a $250,000 debt. Like that's ridiculous to have a yeah. college student. Yeah. The, the well, whole, and it's also like the whole world's so misinformed. You're told your whole life you got to go to a great college and then yeah. you get into it. And then by the time it's over, you're like, well, I was an actor and I studied acting. I could have just gone to Strasburg and spent 10 and, grand. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. Like. Because no, I, I studied in Strasbourg. Yeah. Enough about me, about you. Yeah. Talk to I me. I mean, I you... don't think, I do think education is good. Yeah. And no, di- no, you know, no disrespect again to my grad school because I love my grad school, but, and also, but it was also free. <laughs> but, yeah. um, but I, I feel like there are so many ways to learn now, especially you can take a class, you can, you know, you can take a class that you can actually afford and sort of do it. It might take you longer but you do it over a period of time. You can take an on-camera. I didn't even get on-camera classes really at UCSD. So I still ended up having to take on-camera classes anyway, Yeah, you know, <clears throat> but there's so many ways around it now. The but advice that, I give that, to people now is like, you don't need to go to grad school. You don't. Yeah, I agree. I you think do changed. need to, to have a seriousness about the work in which, which I do think some people develop in grad school. Like there's, because you're there, they like don't, they don't come off you. You can't be lazy in grad school. You you're working from seven in the morning till sometimes yeah. midnight. You know, yeah. and you're in rehearsal. You're always working, working, working. So that kind of discipline is great that grad school gives you. But egg, I don't think anybody learns how to act in grad school. I think you you come already with something, right? Yeah. And all they do is teach you how to manage it. 
Like, can you manage this talent that you already have? Do you know what your talent is? Do you know that you're better at this thing and than you are at this thing? Do you know that you're really intuitive? Do you know yeah. that you need a little bit more than, you know, in this situation or whatever? So like it can help you hone whatever that thing is. But I think most people come already with something. <clears throat> and that's but so you can beautiful. find that in an acting class. Yeah. You know, yeah. Not, so, not a grad school, not necessarily a grad school situation. I have to ask because you're, you know, two hours south of it. Was LA on your mind or you knew you wanted to come back to New York? It was in a way, but again, because I never wanted to be a starving artist. Yeah. My option was I could go to LA and starve. And I, I was, I just started driving my last year at UCSD, but I wasn't like much of a driver and I knew yeah. LA was all about driving. Um, there were no Ubers back then. Um, and, and so you didn't I, have your family there, you know? My family wasn't there. I knew I could yeah. come back to New York. I could go move into my parents' house. Yeah. And I had jobs because my dear, dear friends. Now, this is, this is why you go to a fancy Ivy League school. My dear friends were in very nice jobs in New York. And they all were like, we can figure out a position here where we were for you to work. That's amazing. Um, and so I, I came back and I was working with my friends that I'd made at Dartmouth, my big sisters, really, um, who were who were like art directors and, and head of departments and blah, 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 blah. And I would just be their intern. Wow. Um, Savage. There's so many Great people friends. who are responsible for my career. Like, they they joke about it all the time where they're like, you're, you're like, thank you speech is going to be so long. Cool. <laughs> so many people supporting me. Just, it, You're going to have it at the Golden Globes this year from your woman. I, mean, I know oh, it. From your, your mouth. But, you know, to me, it's, that is also necessary. You need yeah. the benefactor. I call them my benefactors. You need those people who believe in your talent so much that they will just hold you up in the craziest i mean there's no way i would have survived new york i mean first of all i had my my family but i didn't necessarily yeah. want to live with my parents i'm a grown-up you know, i'm trying I to and it. also my Trust. family lives so far out in queens that i was trying to do the temping during the day acting at night and then i'd have to go travel two hours back home and it was not it, it just was not gonna work i i was it exhausted i was not getting any rest and I, my my everything was suffering my work as a temp was suffering and my work as an actor was suffering because I was just exhausted all the time. Did you so, sign with a with a major or a, a smaller boutique one? An agency? You, yeah. I didn't even have an agent when I graduated grad school. Glenn, too. He said the same thing. Did not have an agent. I, I got uh, meetings. And then I ended up, I can't even remember how I found my agent. It's. Were you, did you ever do one-on-one -on -one or Actors Connection? Actually, maybe that's how I found her, is I did like a one-on-one, -on -one because I don't think she was at my showcase. Yeah. I think I found her through one-on-one, -on -one and then I signed with her, but at the time, I'd already booked. So my first job out of grad school was on Broadway. Wow, yeah, I, I know you have so many amazing credits. I went to an open call. I tell Wow. Her, all the time I'm like don't be you know don't be precious what is the open call I went to an open call for the crucible on Broadway um they had already cast their main people but they wanted understudies and yeah. I I went in sort of blindly I didn't know who was in it um 
my friends called me and they were like, Hey, you should, my, my grad school friends called me and they were auditioning and they were like, Hey, there's a part, you know, there's Chichiba. And I was like, Oh, okay. Um, what time do I have to be there? And they were like, well, the line gets long. So we probably have to get in line at 6am. And I was in that wow. line with my friends at 6am outside of the equity building. Didn't have, Oh, at the time I did have an equity card. I did. I got oh, my you equity did. card. Okay. I got my equity card at UCSC because you guys do the conjunction at that theater at, right? La, at La Jolla Playhouse. Exactly. Yeah, at La Jolla, so I was yeah. one of the fortunate people in my class who got an equity card because my last name was Blake. Yeah, and the people that like four of us got equity cards, and it was like the people with the last name B and C got equity cards. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I was like, thank God, my last name is Blake. Anyway, so I got my equity card. I went to the the open call. Uh, met with Daniel Swee, who's been a champion of mine since that day. And he had actually seen my showcase and he remembered me from my showcase. Oh, that's and so, so great. we talked about that a little bit. And then, and I tell actors to do this too. We had such a nice little conversation and I did a little monologue for him and I wrote him a thank you note. Um, you know, at the time I, I just mailed it. I think I found an address. Postcard online. style. I mailed it. Uh, yeah. yeah. Just a thank you note. No yeah. headshot. I was just like, if he doesn't remember me, he doesn't remember me. But I am just going to thank him for like my first open call, making it so pleasant. And he made me feel so welcome. And I'm just going to say thank you for, because yeah. that was like one of my first experiences as a real actor in, a real actor in New York you yeah. know, with a card, the card. And you made it so easy for me, especially yeah. we've been in line for six hours. Um, and he was lovely. So I sent him a thank you card and he remembered me. Wow. I got a call back. That's amazing. And I, I went to the callback and I, the callback happened right after 9-11. It was literally, I think my callback was like 9-12. Wow. Um, and the trains were all messed up and I was late to my callback. I'm sure um, they understood. <laughs> I know. No, you they know. did. They yeah, did. It was yeah. one of those crazy weeks in New York where everybody yeah. was just so shell-shocked. And I had a lovely callback and I sent, I wrote another thank you note because at that point it was with, you know, director and some of the producers yeah. and blah, 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 blah. And I just was like, you know, I can't believe I even made it this far. This is, especially things are so crazy right now that I, I, just having this to look forward to this week has really meant a lot to me. I mean, the couple of days before that, I'd walked home on 9-11. I'd walked home from Manhattan to Brooklyn, like wow. through all the soot that was downtown. Remember how everybody got, yeah. like, like I walked through all, you know, and so I was just like, what I had that week was like, I had this callback for Lincoln Center or Broadway. Um, I think I still didn't really understand. It was like Laura Linney and Liam Neeson and it was this big deal. Yeah. And it was Broadway, but I didn't realize how big a deal it was. And I remember when Daniel Sweet called me because I still didn't have an agent. He called me and he told me, he called me personally and he said, no, we want you to join our understudies and you'll get paid... Um, he, I think at the time brought it was like twelve seventy five. Yeah. So I thought he meant twelve dollars and seventy five dollars. Twelve dollars and seventy five cents an hour. And in my mind, I'm like, not bad. Yeah. Like at that point, I was probably making twelve bucks an hour as a temp. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. And he was like, um, "So uh, I guess it comes. It all comes to you because you don't have an agent." And then he was like, "Do you want me to call people for you? Do you want me to call agents for you?" And at that time, I had already met with that lady. And I was like, no, did, I think I'm, I have a lady who might yeah. be interested. So, yeah. But he was like, but you don't, and he told me, he was like, you don't have to pay her because you did not get this job through her. He was like, he literally like led me through the whole Oh, man, what a idea. gentleman. Dude, I'm telling yeah. you, I've 
so much love for this man. It's crazy. When I see him, I literally, I feel like I'm seeing like my uncle. <laughs> I'm like, ah! Santa Claus. <laughs> I love him. Um, yeah. So he told me, and then he was like, you don't have to pay. And I was like, well, would I just have to, what's 1275? How many hours a week? Does 1275 an hour work out? And he was like, no, 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 it's not 1275 an hour. It's $1,275 a week. And I, I was just like, <laughs> I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. I had been working as a temp. I think my biggest check up to that point was like 400 bucks. Wow. $1,275 a week. That's so beautiful. I was like, we are not going to be no starving artists up in this. Oh. I love First it. job. And so after that, I signed with my my first agent, and you know, I kept after that job. I went and did Shakespeare in the Park. I was always I like always happened on these jobs. Shakespeare in the yeah. Park was another one where I had worked with the director at UCSD. This is one of the good things about going to grad school is he had come to do a play with us at yeah. UCSD, and I had worked with him. I'd been his lead in 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 um, Faust, not Faust. I was Mephistopheles. Still one of yeah. my favorite roles to date. <laughs> I got to play the yeah. devil. Um, and I loved him. He loved me. We had such a great time. And I remember I saw that he was doing uh, Twelfth Night in the Park. And I wrote him again, my little writing. I wrote him a little note, dropped it off there, was like, hey, I'm in town. I'd love to audition. Blah, blah, blah. And he, I auditioned and I, I ended up again <clears throat> being in the cast, but you know, in the, in the park, saw famous people. So yeah. I was understudying the part of Viola in the park. And do you feel My like second job. amalgamation of the, of the Lincoln center and the, the park, you know, that's when you have like Ron Howard and Al Pacino and those kind of people coming to those shows. Did that really start putting you on film and TV radars? Not, no, no, no. That took a while. I, I think what that does is it, it creates relationships and it also exposes you to people who are doing those kinds of things. So you just, yeah. you know how you talked about how when you see someone else being successful, it gives you hope as an actor yeah. um, when you see someone else winning. And I think the, one of the most important things for me was to always be around working actors. There was a point in my career, probably five years in where I decided like I had to really sort of curate my friend list in a weird way. And this may seem cruel, but I realized I had a lot of actors around, actors around me who weren't acting, who weren't actively trying to act. Yeah. And they were complaining about it all the time. Yeah. And I felt like I am going like, and, and what we would do is we'd feed each other's misery. Right. And I just felt like I am going to become, this is what I'm going to be doing yeah. indefinitely there's no end to this i saw how unhappy these people were and i was working a little bit more than everyone else but that's because my ass would wake up at five in the yeah. morning and go yeah, line yeah. up on an open call line and these were people who i not, didn't feel like they were doing things like that but they would complain about what they weren't getting and oh you're getting this because and you got that because you have an equity card and i'm like bullshit i would have been on that line if i didn't have an equity card they have a non-equity line yeah i know they do yeah. you know so like and I realized I, I couldn't, that those could not be my, my friend base because they weren't, you, you should surround yourself with people. That are, is so hope. Yes. 
So yeah. I was, the great thing about being on Broadway and being in the park is that I was around Laura Linney and Liam Neeson and, you know, these people were constantly working top yeah. of their game. I would just sit there. I kept my mouth shut. I tell actors to do this all the time too. I'm like, shut up. Yeah. Don't nobody want to know if your ass ain't done nothing. Don't nobody want to know everything about your life. Listen, yeah. listen to other people. When you get on set, just be quiet. Listen. Yeah. So I just, I would just be in the corner soaking shit up. Like I would listen to anyone. I'd watch anyone act. I would go to any rehearsal. I'll go to every rehearsal. Yeah. Um, like what else am I going to do? That's my job. Totally. Right? So if, yeah. even if I wasn't called, I would be at the rehearsal watching. I'd watch scenes that my character wasn't in. I don't, you know, I was understudying Tichuba, but I was watching all the scenes. I was watching everyone work. I saw how everyone approached everything. Did you get I to wanted, go on? I, I didn't get to go on. Uh, I did it. My, I, and I'm really good friends with her still. My overstudy, I called her. My overstudy, Patrice Johnson, was this amazing, badass, little tiny Jamaican woman. It's like, it's like, if, if someone made my twin, it would be her. Um, and she, I remember one time she broke her finger on stage and I thought maybe I would get to go on. That bitch went to the hospital, (laughs) linted her goddamn finger, savage, back on stage. (laughs) Wow. That's amazing. She never got, I never got to go on, but I was fine. I, I, you know, I, I did rehearsals with them and stuff. And when she was gone, I did rehearsal with them because she was gone like half a day. (laughs) So I did rehearsal that day. But, That's um, so beautiful. But well, I, but also that that cast was, um, I don't know. Maybe it was Liam and the producer. We, I didn't feel like the understudies. I know some people like don't even know what their understudies look like. But we were yeah. a part of the cast. Like they included us in everything. So we were included all the the cast stuff, any kind of activity, whatever. So I I felt like even though I didn't go on, I felt like I was a part of that cast very much. That's so, so beautiful. Yeah, I love it. Well, so I don't make narrative upset. Let's let's skip ahead a little bit, if that's okay. Oh, so can, oh. narrative is fine. <laughs> and, 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 I'm enjoying pl- talking. I, I I I'm enjoying it too. Which I was just gonna say, please, oh, I I want you to come back. But uh, <laughs> but so so then tell me, what do you think was the thing that 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 finally opened you up to, to film and TV? TV? Was it Orange Orange is the New Black? Would you say? Yes, I I've been doing um like it opened up in a real way. I've yeah. been doing, you know, guest stars, Law and Order. I, first of all, you know, co-star, guest star, reoccurring. You yeah, did but that in over- New York. There wasn't even that many opportunities. It's only recently people don't even realize how recent it is that like so much is happening in New York now. Yeah, well, and well you with can Oscar work. so white, we're 2017, right? Yeah. So it's been three years. There's, <laughs> but there, but prior to I would say 2013. There was yeah. not there was nothing in New York but law the law and orders and maybe an occasional show here and there, but like this wasn't a movie and show town really. Yeah. Um yeah. and so I was, you know, I was doing a lot of and also I was doing a lot of theater. I cause consistently worked in theater. So I wasn't yeah. like looking to get into film and TV. I have this wonderful um Jen Houston who casts Orange is a New Black, um, is She's one of those women, she's in New York, she goes and she sees plays a lot, thank God. And she yeah. finds a lot of her people in plays. And I think yeah. most of those Orange is the New Black Women came out of plays she'd seen. So she'd seen me in that, and I, she called me in, I, I went in for the original season, didn't get the part, but she called me in like several times before I finally booked um, Birdie with her. And she was also really lovely because I remember I couldn't go to my callback because I had a baby. My My youngest was a month and a half. You're like, yeah. he was just born two months, maybe. 
And I remember when they said, you know, sometimes this stuff happens so quickly. She's like, you have a call back it's today at seven. And I was like, I have two little kids. Like, I can't just yeah. I can't come at seven. I, I can't make it. And I was about to just, you know, say no to my call back. And she was like, you know what? I totally understand. Do you think you can put yourself on tape? This is one of my first tell. It might have been my first self tape. Like this is two thousand. Yeah, because that, yeah, that was kind of when they started. Yeah, you know, so, it's right when the iPhone finally got to the place right. where it could. But yeah. I didn't even have an iPhone. I had a regular old camera camera that had wow. a re- you know a, a recording thing on it. No, in fact, I use an iPod. Remember those? Oh yeah. I think I use an iPod that you could record video on. It was the worst quality. I remember crying afterwards and being like, it's not going to work. It's horrible. <laughs> I can't even see my face. It's one me- megapixel. <laughs> I, wish, I wish I could find it and pull it up because if you saw this callback video, you would be like, girl, they must have really loved you in the first audition <laughs> Yeah, she was, was an advocate. Good. And then my, oh, and I had to talk to myself because my, the woman I came, I called this woman who um, was a nanny of one of my daughter's friends. I called her and I was like, can you just watch the kids? Like watch, or bring, bring your kid over. We'll put them in a room to like play with each other. And then can you read these lines with me? I need a reader. And yeah. she tried, but she was so horrible at it that I was like, this is not good. Like she suddenly, it's like she couldn't reach. She was like, and then the Oh, man it's like staccato, said, you know. What? Like, yeah. I was like, oh my God, this is horrible. So I recorded myself on her phone. Yeah. And then as, as her, and then I talked to myself in the video. You know, the conversation was with me. So that is my self-tape. It is the most bananas goddamn self-tape. I somehow booked the job. That's so badass. I want to see it. Could not believe it. Could not believe it. Booked that job. And so that definitely everybody in the industry watches Orange. And that definitely was the way, my way into being considered for other things and all of that. Everyone on set would always be like, I just saw your, you know, your season. It was just lovely. Yeah. And then you got like the Blacklist and some other New York shows. Blacklist. uh, uh, um, What's the one with Juliana Margulies? The Good Wife. Oh. The Good Wife, yeah, yeah. yeah and then yeah. I, went, I went out to, to L.A. to do um, Getting On, which was one of my favorite, favorite things. Um, and, yeah, it was just like, you know, so after that, it was just, they kept coming in. It was great, but it was definitely Orange that opened that door. Well, obviously. And I think it's opened the door for many people. Yeah, so, uh, obviously, though, the thing that I think, you know, brought you to the superstardom, and, and rightfully so, is is when they see us. Yes. When you When you got that project. Yeah. Tell me, like, did you feel, having been in New York and a New Yorker, like, did you feel scared to kind of dig into that tragedy or, or would, you oh, know? no, were, I wasn't scared at all. I couldn't wait. I had been, I had been in New York when that shit went down, dude. Yeah. Um, you know, I had just, so like, I just come to New York, really. And I remember how intense it was. I remember my parents talking to my brothers about, like, hanging out and not hanging out, going to the park, like, because that summer or the subsequent summers after that happened, where those boys were accused and then they were paraded in in the news, that was on. And then Trump took the fucking ads out. And then he did the ad. Yeah. I remember, I mean, my, my family was all the way out in Queens and this Manhattan was always like a different world to us. But I I remember my family talking about that and being like those boys did not do that shit 
They're yeah. just trying to railroad those boys. And my family barely talked about stuff like that significant in front of us. Yeah. But I remember hearing that because they had to talk to my brothers because it was like open season on young black men after that. Yeah, you know, totally. we were, they were calling them animals or whatever. So no. And when I found out Ava DuVernay was doing it and Oprah, I was like, no, was I scared? Absolutely not. I was like, this is the story. This is how it needs to be told. Now we know the guys were innocent. First of all, yeah. black people already knew. But yeah. now everybody knows they were innocent. But not till 2014. And they, and not you know. 2014, isn't that crazy? It's insane. Oh, imagine living. Oh, no, I can't. And, I actually and, can't and Michael Bloomberg, that piece of shit, he didn't help. You know, he, he let them rot. So fuck you, Michael it's, Bloomberg, if you're I listening. Mean, <laughs> the list of people who were willing to let these boys just rot, like you said. The list yeah. of grown-ups. Who knew when they, when I was reading when I started reading like the actual evidence I read the whole Ava sent me. Oh, the, you got access to all the criminal you, reports. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. no, yeah, Ava, wow. she got. Did access you meet the real I mother? I didn't meet her. I spoke to her on the phone, and then she okay. passed well, away. That, she passed that's away the same right thing. before we um we released it. Actually, she passed away uh -huh. in 2019. I know she had uh, pancreatic cancer. Um, but Ooh. she was lovely. I got to speak to her on the phone, and um, just when. I read this 800 court page court document, you know, that went through all the boys and their family members and everybody who gave testimony. It was like, I couldn't believe that adults were so okay with putting away young boys, yeah. knowing what they knew. Because there was no way you would have read, if you read what they actually said in court and what all the, 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 the testimony that the witnesses gave, it was very clear. They didn't have anything to do with it. It was clear. Yeah. It was very clear. And, and rightfully, that prosecutor got, like, fired from the, like, fuck her, dude. If she's listening, I mean, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> she's lucky that's all that happened. She should go to jail. It's yeah. crazy. She and then you think of, remember, she was allowed. So they that happened. And like you said, the boys weren't found innocent until 2014. Yeah. So she was allowed to rule on many young men and women over the years. Yeah. So the Central Park Five are just, they're just the tip of the iceberg for what this woman probably did over her career. Yeah. She should be in jail. But the boys are not the boys. They're not even yeah. boys. They're grown men. But I, you know, well, I, I'm like, I'm just... like mama. I'm like mama. I think of them as my boys, even though we're like the same age. Um, they are the most lovely, forgiving, just. I, you I, met all of them? I've met them all. Wow. We, um, they were around on set and then they came to the Emmys with us and. Well, they were like, date. they were able to date to the Emmys. We, yeah, no, no, they were around. How, they were all. How did that feel for you, Marsha, Stephanie Blake, getting nominated? Was that just like, you uh, know, it was like I'm not gonna lie, it was. It's one of those things because it's like a show I watch. I watched a lot yeah. of shows with my friends and sat around and of like course. judged everybody and judged yeah. performances and laughed at speeches, speeches and cried and blah 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 yeah. blah blah. And so it was completely surreal, completely unexpected. But also, that whole year was like that. Yeah. You know, I'd, I'd had Loose at um, Sundance. Well, let's let's then, talk about about Loose. Yeah. Like, to surrender and commit yourself to that, like, your performance. I mean, I, I, I was crying at Tribeca. It's, Aww. I mean, 
did, did when you got that project, did you just have immense trust in that director? Because to commit yourself to that level that the character does, it yeah. requires, you have to really it. trust the vision. Absolutely. Did- I had, um, again, this is, this is where like the theater always comes in handy. I had done Othello with David Oyelowo. And when oh, this with Rachel? Was, with Rachel, yeah. I, I saw that. I, yeah. who, that was oh, my God. There oh were, my God! There was only one black woman in that, Ryan. <laughs> I, well, I, I, I think the problem with that production is, and I'm just gonna say it brutally, is like I was so tracked in the iambic. I mean, like I hadn't read it in so long. I, in real time, yeah. I was trying to figure out what was going on. Oh, okay. and, then, and then, of course, like I'm just looking at James Bond do a monologue to my dad. Right. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah, there was that James Bond thing. Right. right, right. <laughs> um, but no, I was his wife. I played his wife. Um, yeah. But I'd done, I'd done the play with David, and David had worked with Julius, who directed Loose. And so I called David when I saw, I saw the part, and I saw what it required and the, the vulnerability that it required. Yeah. And I called David. Did you and know like, Octavia David, already? Nope. Nope. Wow. I didn't know anyone involved except for I knew David had done something with Julius. Um, and Julius had seen Othello. That's why he called me in. He had Got seen it. Othello, and he was like, "I think this woman can handle." It was one marry. of the best best productions I've ever it's, seen of Othello. It is it is pretty special. I mean, obviously, I, 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 I ended I up, went, you know, I saw know, Philip Seymour Hoffman do a, a really bad one. So oh, no. trust me, yeah, and he yeah. can't be bad. What? Or he couldn't be bad? Well, they tried to do this multimedia. It just uh, did not work at all. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you can't put too much on it on yeah. any Shakespeare play. Then you lose like meaning. Um, yeah. But was that since we was that a great experience doing Othello was, your theater? Oh my gosh! Especially if you you remember it's this this it's tiny, tiny theater, like so fifty people maybe could come. Two hundred, I think. Two oh, okay, yeah. So it's like you can't hide. <laughs> There's no hiding, yeah. and just the way Sam Gold directed it, um, it's so like. Listen, we're not gonna paint anything too much because we do this have this iambic right. So we're yeah. not gonna fill it with all this flowery stuff. We're really just gonna like speak speak it speak the speech plainly as they say yeah. in hamlet um and uh just that we were all there pretty much the whole time so again you're learning from watching other people right you're learning you're kind of you're all in very rarely would they uh rehearse scenes in isolation we were almost yeah. all there and that's how i got to know rachel that well and that's how i felt comfortable calling david and saying um tell me can you tell me everything about uh, Julius? Um, yeah. Because we'd all developed like real friendships because we were in this tiny, tiny, tiny space for months. Yeah. Um, uh, and it, it, it was, it's one of those experiences we, you were talking about um, the people who come to see stuff. Um, I mean, everybody came to see that. Okay. Yeah, the, I was there the night Lynn Manuel, he sat next to me. You know, we called casual. ourselves, matter of fact, we called ourselves Baby Hamilton because that was the other play that no one could get a ticket to. We yeah, the other play. Well, I, I remember. Leslie Odom couldn't get a ticket to see our play, and we were so, we thought it was so hilarious. I remember like, Ra- ah! when I told Rachel I was coming, she was like, how did how you get did tickets? You get, yes. And it, I just was on New York Theater Workshop, and there was two available, and I bought them. Oh, and then, my God. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't even know how that happened because no one, I have so many friends who didn't actually end up seeing it because they, I, I mean. Oh, I, I saw it was on, what's it called? The, uh, the, what's the stub hub for like $2,000? Yes. 
Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It was crazy. We were baby wow. Hamilton. Um, Is that what brought you, like, your relationship that you developed with Rachel? With Is that Rachel. how yeah. I'm Your Woman yeah, yeah. came your way? We wow. did Othello together. We played women in crisis. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Very um, much so. With husbands who were sketchy as hell. Yeah. Um, you know, both and Iago doesn't help at oh, all. Oh, no. Both of us. Both <laughs> our husbands. Iago yeah. and, and Othello, sketchy as hell. And um, my my child is trying to be in my video. Go away, go away, child. Um, <laughs> and we got to know each other. I sat this far away from Rachel in the dressing room because our dressing room was just behind I, backstage I, at yeah. New York Theater Workshop. Tiny, tiny, teeny, tiny. All thirteen of us in one dressing room uh, uh. with just a curtain between the men and the women. So I could touch, I could reach this way and touch David, and I could reach the same way. <laughs> and <touch> Rachel, <laughs> right um, and so yeah, we talked about everything she had just started Maisel so she was very nervous about being the yeah. lead in the show and yeah. she I think when we started Othello she didn't even know if Maisel was a go so it well, was that we, early we, on and we were talking about it because I walked home with her after yeah. and I remember that conversation that happened there but yeah, she wasn't so she wasn't sure it was going to be a thing like they had shot the, the pilot you know and speaking of, of exposing herself she was nervous about that yes, you know yes. yeah yeah. So. so I actually spoke to Rachel also because I remember when I'd done the call back and I was kind of like, I think I'm going to get this part, but I have to do this thing. And at this point, I knew that, that Rachel had, you know, bared herself in yeah. Hazel. And I remember calling her and then we went, we went somewhere. We were in the city. I remember walking all the way from like 42nd all the way to, to uh, Union Square. So oh, in wow. this conversation, I know we were just, it was like a nice day and we walked all the way downtown. And in this conversation, we talked about this role that I probably was going to do and how to handle it and yeah. what I needed. And she was, she's really great about sharing anything. I mean, Rachel is so generous. Like, yeah. she shared. She's been great to me. Every time I've done a theater in a black box, she comes. You yeah, know what I mean? She's, she's like the most supportive. Yeah. She came to my, yeah, she's like some yeah. of my openings too. And she's like very, just amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Well, well. We love raised, you, Rachel. Well-raised <laughs> child. Yeah. And she's also so much more mature. You don't expect that kind of maturity from someone her age, but she's incredibly mature. Um, or at least I don't. Um, I was. We're the same age. Based on yeah. me, I was not that mature when I was her age. But she's incredibly mature. She's incredibly generous. And just when she likes you, likes your work, she remembers. And lucky for me, um, she remembered. And we had a great relationship. And she pitched me for this thing, unbeknownst to me. And she kept kind of mentioning it. Mentioning it and it would always come up. We would be like going to see a Broadway play together or something. This is after Othello. And she'd yeah. say, I pitched you for this thing. And I'd be like, okay. But I never, yeah. thought, I never thought it would come to fruition. I never yeah. thought it was real because in my mind, I was like, I know you're Miss Maisel, but is anyone going to take your word for yeah. who this actor should be? I didn't realize at the time, I think I didn't realize she produced She got a development deal. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't know all the details. Yeah. Sort of on purpose because I also didn't want her to feel like she had to pitch me. Right. You know what I'm saying? I didn't want her to feel like a pressure, like I'm waiting for you to get me in something. I'm like, I'm not, I wasn't. I, I yeah. was hang, We were hanging out. We were going to see a play together. So when she said it, I kind of brushed it off a couple of times. And then finally, 
I get this script and I was like, oh, it's real. <laughs> like, it's actually, yeah. it's actually real. And I got the script and it was like, read for interest. And it was like, it wasn't like we want you to audition or anything. It was like, we want you to read and see if you're interested in doing this. And I was like, wow. Oh my God. You and had an offer. <laughs> Things are changing. No, I didn't get an offer yet. It was, oh. you know, they still had to talk to Amazon and the powers that be. But I, as far as Rachel was concerned, I was the person and she yeah. was pitching me to the director and to Amazon. And um, I was like, this bitch got some power. Like, oh, shit. Um, and then I spoke to the director, Julia, and I loved her. Um, just just everything. I, everything about her. I was like, she's just a real person. She's a mom. She's trying yeah. to, you know, she's like us. She's trying to make something yeah. of this life we've chosen. But, like, yeah. we're still, like. With assassins. <laughs> we, we, yeah. We, we, don't, we still kind of don't really know what we're doing. Yeah. You know I mean, like, if we're honest about it and we're kind of, we're kind of so passionate that we're hoping our passion will bring bring the work out that our passion will show wow. in the work but we're unsure we're uncertain like she yeah. didn't come across she wasn't like this confident director who I had a meeting with and I was intimidated by she was like this young mom who was just I feel like like me and we talked about our kids and then we talked we talked a little bit about the script but not much and we just liked each other Wow. Um, and then she, so I think she liked me. And so I asked her if we were dating or if we were married. And she said, well, we're still dating because I still have to go to Amazon. I was like, damn it. All right. Well, yeah. all right, we're dating. And also just that she was honest with me. Because I said, after the conversation, we had this wonderful conversation over Skype. And yeah. I said, okay, Julia, let me know now. You know, is this something... Because I, I love this script and I, yeah, I, 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 I love it. you. And I, yeah. I know I love Rachel, so... Like, are we doing this? Are, are we dating? Are we married? Like, what's happening? And for the she viewers like, listening, Julia Hart, the director. Julia Hart. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, and she is all heart. Um, and she was like, well, we're dating because I still got to go back to Amazon, blah, blah, blah. Ugh. And I was like, oh. Come on, Bezos. But no, but I was, yeah. I was like, listen, I wasn't, you know, no one really knew who I was. And then it was the, the Emmy nomination, I think, that tips me over. Amazing! It all came to be offer territory. Literally, I had an offer. It seems like everything in your career—a friend and working hard—led to a friend and work. Yeah, it's so beautiful. Marsha Stephanie Blake, this has been one of my all-time favorite conversations. I'm, I'm (laughs) literally, please come back. I could talk to you for hours upon hours. So we, we don't want to talk about self tapes. (laughs) Yes, please come back. But final, final few questions for you. Yes. Um. I know this is a a tricky one, but do the best you can. Okay. For all the for all the young marshes out there, wide eyed, you know, maybe mm. haven't haven't maybe graduated college, want to act, and yeah, you know, or or you know, gentlemen as well, you know, they're just really. What would I say to, to them? Yeah. Hmm. I have many versions of this, but it boils down to one thing. <laughs> And it really is this. Don't be an asshole. Oh, I love that. And that means I just told you from beginning to end how everyone that I've worked with have somehow informed my next job. Yeah. Were I an asshole, they would not want to work with me again. (laughs) Rachel wouldn't have pitched me for her movie. Yeah. You know, David wouldn't have answered the phone when I called him about Luz. 
Um, you know, there are any number of people that I can call up now if I'm unsure about something, unsure about a director, unsure about what's happening on a set. There are lots of times where something happens on set and I'm like, whoa, that didn't feel right. But I'm yeah. not sure because never happened before. Let me call someone who knows. Yeah. Everyone, pretend like everyone knows more than you do. Yeah. Because they probably do. Yeah. Um, like, don't, don't be a know-it-all. And don't be an asshole. Yeah. Final question. What's keeping you inspired right now during all this craziness? Ooh. Um, well, today it was Stacey Abrams. Yeah. Um, oh. <laughs> you know, I got to find. I, I got the revolution shirt Everybody on for a reason had, today. <laughs> I got You got to find the things because, boy, these last few months oh. get really just. And I, it's the heartbreak of our industry. It's like nothing is happening. I live in yeah. New York and there is no theater in New York. You know how unusual it is to have a whole year and not have gone to the Well, and also to, to there be a question mark. We still don't and even when, know when it. Yeah. Yeah. To like not have gone to see my friends and stuff for yeah. months and months and months and months and months and to not um, know what's happening with their jobs and their lives yeah. and it's crazy. So I I try to find like the lid and also this is the year my father passed away. Like it's just yeah. like boom, 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 boom. One thing so, after another. Um I I find like as an artist, I know, and this is not to pat ourselves on the back. I think people who think that artists are um sort of uh, disposable are ridiculous. I think we're actually the least disposable of all the people. Ask anyone what saved them from going crazy in quarantine, and they'll say Netflix, Amazon, yeah, uh, whatever they watch, whatever yeah. Disney Plus, whatever your thing is. Yeah. It's like art in its own way is saving this damn pandemic. Okay, totally. Um, it's huh. artists. If we stop working, the world stops moving. We cannot, yeah. you can't, you can't tell artists to get another job, get a real job. What the fuck are you talking about? I just yeah. saved your ass because yeah. there's so many movies on Amazon for you to go watch now because I've been working for the last 10, 15 years. You yeah. have something to do. You have an escape from this terribleness that's yeah. happening in so many places everywhere right now. Yeah, we provide an escape, entertainment, laughter. You cry about someone else's pain because you're yeah. watching a drama. You, you and, it, and it takes you away from your own. Like, I am going tomorrow, and I don't leave my house, Ryan. I don't. I, I'm yeah. so scared of anything germs. I already was a germaphobe, and now I'm just like, well, my kids are are remote schools. We don't really leave the house, but tomorrow. One of my, the, um, actually a high school friend of mine who also is a mom of one of my daughter's friends is an artist. She's a, yeah. a painter and a sculptor. And I'm going to her opening tomorrow oh. because I feel like I have to support things like that because that, that's the crux of our, that's humanity, of humanity, our yeah. culture, our lives. Like I am going to support the hell out of any artist I can right now because I think this idea that we are disposable yeah. is so wrong. Yeah. It's so wrong. 
So yeah, tomorrow I'm going to a gallery opening. That's where I'm oh. going to find my joy tomorrow. Today it was Stacey Abrams. <laughs> Yesterday yeah. it was this video of this man counting. Have you seen this video? Ryan? I have seen it. Yeah. Oh my God. It's the best thing ever. It, yeah. Oh my God. It is. It's been a heavy so week. It's a little thing. You gotta, you know, it's one day at a time. We're all just out here trying to survive. Well, <laughs> from the bo bottom of my heart, you inspired me today and, and you gave me hope. And oh, I have good. so much love and immense respect for you. And let's please do this again very soon. I would love to. I got so I'm much so love. I'm so glad you. I got to meet you. Me like, too. And hopefully, you know, when things chill down, we'll get well, coffee in person. We'll we can go, do that again. We will get together with Rachel. We'll go have like a real meal and talk about everything. Yeah. Well, and hopefully we'll work together one day. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I love you so much, Marsha. Thank you. Have so a great much night with your kids. And, a real and pleasure. We'll, we will do this again soon. Absolutely. In person and in Zoom. Yeah, <laughs> whatever, right. whenever you want. Yeah. I'm here. I don't, right. like I said, don't leave the house. I'm always here. Hey, me too. I love you. All right. I love you too, Ryan. Thank all you right. so much. Thank you. If you like the show, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening.